This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are talking about how to balance all the parenting advice we get. Uh, We're going to look at a question about if there's nothing for kids at your church, what do you do? And we've talked to our friend Mark Arnold today. He has three truths of spiritual parenting when you're parenting those with additional needs. Uh, We're going to hear all about that and more later. First, I just wanted to remind you of of our Facebook Lives, which happen on the 10th Monday of the month. And so uh, coming on up, there will be, oh, I think it's June 17th. We'll have to look. It's the Monday the 10th. Starting at 8 o'clock at night, we do different topics from 0 to 5s and then 5 to 11s and then 11 to 18s and just pick one topic and talk about it throughout the ages. And this week, uh, we'll be talking about how do we tie together truth and experience? How do we tie together living in the normal, ordinary, everyday world and the truth of God and how do we blend that for our kids? Um, before we jump in with our first topic about how to balance all the parenting advice, we had this great email from uh, someone, a, a listener, and I just wanted to share it with you because it made me cry. Uh, so I cry I cry very easily whenever you all tell your stories of how brilliant you're doing. Uh, but this one made me cry, and I thought I'd share it because it was so encouraging um, of just a little picture. Someone else is creating a window for us into their everyday parenting life, and I thought I'd share it. So... Story time. Uh, She was saying, I listened to the Heart Garden podcast on my run on holiday. I talked to my seven-year-old about it on our Coast Path walk. She immediately engaged with it, and she loved the idea of it. Then three days later, she got into a very grumpy state due to something she found unfair with her sister. Anyway, it's unusual for us to have to process very negative behavior and emotion with her, but this was the perfect opportunity to ask, how do you think your heart garden is doing right now? I gave her five minutes to have a think about what might be going on in the garden, and I would come back and ask her. When I came back, and her countenance had completely changed. She said, I've got an ungrateful plant and a jealous one. She was already calm without her angry air and satisfied she had articulated what was going on in her heart. Amazing. So we then chatted with God about what could we do and what we wanted him to help with. We asked him to take those things out and replace them with things that he wanted in there a happy for others flower and a grateful flower. She described what those flowers looked like too. As I prayed with her, I asked for a calm, peaceful wind to breeze through her garden. She smiled and was so peaceful. Then she said, I really need to draw it. So I gave her another five minutes to draw her garden, which again, really helped her articulate her thoughts. And then uh, she sent in a picture of the little little drawing of these little teeny flowers that are all labeled ungrateful and jealous and these new flowers that are growing. And I just want to say that is a brilliant, ordinary, everyday time with your kid. And uh, well done you for that. And I just found it so encouraging as a parent to just know that while you're on holiday and your kid has an attitude, um, you can just use a little tool to help them not only meet with God, but to have a great conversation uh, about what's going on in our hearts when all of this stuff comes up. So thank you for sending that in. We'd love to hear more of your stories so that we can learn from your wisdom, your experience, and just be encouraged that this is possible to have these great moments in the normal bits of life. 
the main thing I wanted to say in this beginning session sort of comes tied into that, really. I wanted to talk about all the the advice we get and all the shoulds that we get. Parenting can be overwhelming with so much advice, you know, some, some contradictory. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. And it can happen in lots of different areas of parenting, whether it's potty training or how to handle a teenager. Um, I don't know about you, though, but for me, the spiritual arena can feel so much more high stakes. Like when you're parenting at the park, you know, your kid's climbing around, you can have a conversation with someone else, you know, with one eye on your kid. Uh, There's, you know, some danger if they decide to leap off the top of a thing. But in general, you know, it feels like low stakes, you know, parenting. Uh, We recently went to the Aran Islands in Ireland. There's just this cliff. And uh, my kid wanted to poke his head over the edge of the cliff. And there was like slippy rocks everywhere. And my heart was like leaping out. We had like this full safety chain going on. I was like, this is high stakes. If I parent this wrong, my child's going to slip off a cliff. It it can feel high stakes. And I find sometimes spiritual parenting feels like that. It feels like, you know, will my kid like praying? Will they spend, you know, a lifetime with God? My kid says he doesn't believe in God. What's happening? You know, they're on on top of the world after spring harvest, but they're going to hit church like a ton of bricks. And oh, what if they hate church? And the present seems so fixed. If your kid's in a funk with God, then you're like, this is going to last forever. You feel like you've been in it for an eternity. It feels high stakes. And there's so much advice out there from books to church to even this podcast. There's like three or four new things a week to think about. And I just wanted to say, don't get overwhelmed. All of this wisdom that's surrounding you isn't 101 crucial safety tips to guarantee successful navigation of your high stakes spiritual parenting. This is just 101 things to have in your backpack. So when you need it, if you need it, it's there. When... Mark and I go camping. Uh, who's my husband? Not just random guy. Uh, when Mark and I go camping, we always carry like all these medicines. And I like in 15 years of marriage, I don't think we've used some of those once, but I always feel more peaceful knowing it's in there. And, and a lot of this is just that it's knowing that you have it in your bag if you need to pull it out. So that when, you know, like this fantastic listener said, when she's running on the on holiday, you can pull it out when you need it. Parenting for faith is simply taking it one step at a time. I remember when I was a kid, we climbed the Grand Canyon with my parents. It was I was nine. It was hot. It was long. It was like 45 degrees outside, blazing sun, somewhere between like a 15 to 30 degree incline for like nine hours. And you start off at the top thinking, oh, this is so beautiful. Like, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen at the bottom. And then And then you just sort of began to keep checking, like, when are we going to stop and take a break and sort of inspiring yourself to get there. And towards the end, climbing up out of this thing, I, I, I was just focusing on my next step. Like, how can I move my leg for the next step and the next? And when I needed water, I just stood there and took it. And when we needed to rest, I didn't wait to the end of the switchback. I just sat down in the middle of the thing. It, It became so immediate about just taking the next step and Parenting, I feel, is about just looking at at what's next sometimes. And we can have the big vision. We've talked about that so many times to kit your eyes up and remember what we're doing this all for. But it's, it's okay to just take it one step at a time. It's good to take stock. If you've known, you know, if you've been on the Parenting for Faith course, we do lift those eyes. But the one step at a time is where we feel powerful. And it's that ability to respond that's important. So today, I just wanted to remind you to ask God 
What is the next step for my child spiritually and how can I help them take it? And when you reach a bump in the road or when you reach a situation that arises, just ask yourself, what is the next step for my child spiritually in this and how can I help them take it? And when you hear advice and wisdom that comes at you from all angles, just be confident to say, this is for now, this is for later, and this I think we disagree with, so I'm going to throw it away. You are the expert in your kids and God will be faithful to take each step with you. So for our questions section, we had uh, someone send in this question. It's a great question. And if you have questions, please do email in or uh, send us a message on Facebook because we'd love to answer your questions too. This question is, there's nothing for my under threes at my church. So I have my toddler in the service with me. It's a bit formal and I try to keep him quiet, but I'm worried about what other people think when he's distracting. And I'm also upset that most of the time we're in church, I seem to be telling him off or saying no. I want church to be a positive thing for him, but it's a complete nightmare. And I think we can all say at some point, we've been in a church service where it has been a complete nightmare with our children. So please don't feel alone. I completely understand. It's really hard when you have a three-year-old who makes noise, particularly if you have a church who's quite echoey. And it can be very stressful to want him to be in church and to want them to connect with what's going on and God in the scenario, but also trying to figure out how to manage behavior. And if there's no support in terms of a group for them to go to, that can be a difficult position. I was thinking about it and praying about it. And so these are my suggestions, but there will be so many more suggestions. And as we go, it'd be great uh, maybe to just source other wisdom through Facebook and other things, because we'd love to get you lots of ideas. But the first thing that um, I found really helpful is to assume the best of other people. It is really easy in our brains to think my kid just made a noise and I'm sure everybody in this room is thinking, I wish she'd take that kid out. And when we begin to assume something of everybody else's brains, then we begin to disconnect from them. We begin to feel judged by a whole room who actually might not be judging us. And so... I would suggest you assume the best. Um, assume that your church family loves you and your child and isn't nearly as annoyed or distracted as you think they are. There will always be one or two people who get easily distracted or annoyed. But but if you assume that the majority of people are with you and for you, that really can change your experience of the service. The second thing is, what do you want for your kid to get out of church and then be confident to do what you need to do? Don't start with the heart position of what are the mysterious expectations of behavior here, but start with how can I stay and participate in this without disrupting it too much? So if you're looking at your three-year-old and your real heart value for helping them connect with church is for them to just get used to church, that's why you bring them, then think, okay, well, we're going to go to church and we're going to participate in the pattern a little bit, you know, with the rituals or the, you know, the liturgy, we're going to stand up, we're going to sit down, we're going to hold the hymn book, you know, all of the physicality of it, because you just want to increase their familiarity with church, then that can be your focus. And then you can bail from all the rest of it. So if it's to sort of be comfortable there, then you can go out and play during the sermon and come back in, because if it's about with them familiarity with church, great. Or if you're, you want, really want your kid to just be loved by the church 
church and, and to focus on that, then get a buddy system, grab one of the many, many people there who will love to play with a three-year-old and walk around after them and, you know, let them play with them. I guarantee you there will be some old people who wouldn't mind at all uh, taking them for a walk out in the garden while the church service is happening, you know, during the worship or during the sermon, or if they get a bit noisy, someone, someone will help. And so be willing to ask for help. Um, three, if you want your kid to get used to be, to loving others, then maybe bring a bag of sweets and say, okay, during the hymns, we can walk around and give people sweets and let them know God loves them or whatever, to give them a job, to be helpful and say, we're going to come and be helpful to people, or let's give 10 people hugs. You, know, you can sort of come up with something. So rather than just wandering around and them disconnecting, they have something to do. You could really want to frame things for them so they understand it and pull the kids close to you and just whisper in them and show them how they're connecting to God. And, oh, I love this song and it's my favorite and make up actions and do those things uh, and explain about how you can help others connect with God. It, there's so many things you could do. Whatever you feel is important for your kid, feel confident to do it. You are teaching them how to be part of the body of Christ because they are the body of Christ. And it's really important that you're bringing them and it's really important that you're helping them connect in with church in whatever way is important. And um, you need grace for that. And the church will give you grace because this little person is part of them. The third thing is I would really consider what you need too. We come to church for a myriad of reasons and you are allowed to have those reasons too. So whether you come and actually it's the worship that is just an essential part of your heart or the teaching or the prayer time or um, any bits of the, you know, the beginning talking and the after talking, really take a moment to say, what what is the heart of me and why do I want to come to this church? And then problem solve to make sure you get to drink deep too. It's really important for your child to see you worshiping and engaging with church, but it's also just important to you. I remember when I had a small under three and we didn't have really any provision for them. And so I uh, I would bring snacks because I, I really loved worship. So I really loved just singing and being with God and sometimes just not singing and just sitting there. And we had a really long bit of music at the beginning of our church service. And so uh, I would, we would come and we do the beginning bits of the service and things. And then I would walk around with him and we'd, you know, uh, we'd sing and do whatever I wanted to do with him for about 10 minutes so that he could engage with the worship, you know, to the extent that I felt that he could. And then when I was done help facilitating his worship, then the snack bag would come out. After two songs, the snack bag arrived and he'd be like, woohoo. And then he'd sit down and he would just eat for the rest of worship. And he knew that there was no snack bag before that moment. And as soon as worship was over, that snack bag was going. And, th and facilitating that snack bag meant that I could then just sit down and worship and sing and have my have my time uh, with my hand on his body so that I knew he wasn't going away. And, and that really, really facilitated me doing that. And I couldn't have done that for the whole time. I know other people who have like the toy bag and the toy bag doesn't come out until the sermon so that they've sort of created little provisions that come out throughout different parts of the service to facilitate what they need. And it's okay to need that. 
uh, it does mean you may have unintended consequences. Uh, every once in a while, my kid will turn to me now. He's much, much, much older. And will turn to me in the middle of worship and be like, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's because I used to feed you snacks during this. And your body's going, whoa, it's I'm singing to God. And there's something inside of me that's like, gosh, I could really use a snack. So you never know how it's going to turn out. But uh, feel free to not only facilitate what they need to do, but what you need to do. And trust that the church is for you and with you and wants your kid to connect with church as much as they do. And for the wildcard section, we have our wise friend, Mark Arnold. We were talking with him about um, spiritual parenting of those with additional needs. And he was talking about certain truths that we need to know. And uh, we really wanted him to share that with you. So uh, here's Mark Arnold, who uh, works with Urban Saints. He's a member of the Additional Needs Alliance. He's the uh, author of a blog, The Blog Father, and uh, is a generally wise man. And so uh, here is what he had to say. Spiritual parenting can be a journey that's difficult and confusing for any parent. It can be full of setbacks and challenging questions. It can be fraught with the danger of a saying one thing and doing another. It can be full of unexpected surprises as well as being a total joy and blessing for us and our child. But throw into that mix the complications that might arise with our child having additional needs and that's a whole different set of issues to think about. So let's make this simple. Let's think about this in three easy to follow ways that can help us all to take some of the anxiety, worry and uncertainty out of spiritually parenting a child with additional needs. Here's three truths to hold on to and to use as a foundation for everything else we do. Number one, little and often. Spiritual parenting isn't something we think about every now and then, something to bring out and dust down on a Sunday, but then ignore for the rest of the week. Spiritual parenting is something that we do all of the time. It's true for any parent, but can be even more the case for a parent of a child with additional needs. It's the little everyday things that we do, the things that we do often that give us the best opportunity to spiritually parent our child teaching them about Jesus by being Jesus to them, sharing his love with them in all the little things we do with them and for them each day. Think about some of the things that you do with and for your child and then think about some of the things that Jesus did to show us the way that we should live our lives and the way that we should disciple others. He came to serve, not to be served. So much of our time as parents of children with additional needs is spent tending to their needs, serving and supporting them. Jesus modelled this in so many ways during his ministry. And during those times, he served people and taught them too. His example still teaches us today and helps us to teach our children. He washed people's feet. He shared food with people. He touched people who were disabled or sick. As we wash or bathe our child, as we prepare food and help to feed our child, as we touch them and tend to them in whatever way their additional needs require, we can be Jesus to them. We can show them his love, his peace, his grace. We have a hundred opportunities a day to share the gospel with our child through the way that we are ministering to them. There's a saying that's widely and probably incorrectly attributed to St Francis of Assisi, but it's a great thought for us. 
preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Let our actions shout the gospel message out to our children. Let them see the love of Jesus in our eyes. Let them feel the touch of Jesus as we tend to them. Number two, nothing is lost. Sometimes we might wonder if any of it stays with our child. Is the faith that we share with them sticky? Does it reach them at that time, but then drift away like the morning mist on a summer's breeze? My son James, who's autistic, has learning disability and epilepsy, has been to church ever since he was a baby. He's grown up in the church and been exposed to the word of God through that time. And, and as such, I believe that the words Paul wrote to Timothy are just as relevant for James and for all of the children that we parent and get alongside as we share the love of Jesus with them. You have known the Holy Scriptures ever since you were a little child. They're able to teach you how to be saved by believing in Jesus Christ. Recently, due to anxiety issues, James hasn't been to church so much. But in our times at home, when we pray and sing together, I truly feel that James knows he is loved by Jesus. James's favourite song for me to sing with him is, Jesus loves me, this I know. James is mostly non-verbal, but he joins in with some of the words. The words to the first verse are, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Then James joins in with a loud amen at the end, and I truly believe that James means every word he sings. Jesus loved Timothy, and he loves James too. Just as Timothy knew and recognised that love, so does James. The light that shines from his eyes and the joy all over his face tells me that. Nothing is lost. The love of Jesus is timeless. We sow the seeds of that love into our child a hundred times every day. Some might germinate and flower straight away before our eyes. Some may come into bloom in a week, in a month, in a year. Some may burst into beautiful colour after we are long gone. But none of those seeds are lost. None of them are wasted. The love of Jesus that we share with our child each and every day will stay with them forever. Number three, give space for God. Those spiritual seeds, those little acts of love that we share with our child each day teach us that it's not all just down to us. It's not just our job alone to bring our child into a place where they respond to the love of Jesus. It's a team effort involving other people that we know, reinforcing the love that we sow into our children's hearts, the way we are with them, with each other. But we also need to give space for God to water those seeds, to let the Holy Spirit move in our child's life. And sometimes this can be in the most unexpected way. Jack was about eight years old when I met him at Spring Harvest. I was involved in overseeing the inclusion provision there. and I learned that he is autistic, which in his case means, for example, that he doesn't communicate verbally, but does in other ways. He prefers not to be in a large group of noisy people and he can find contact with somebody he doesn't know difficult. Although he didn't know me, as I watched him building a tower out of Jenga blocks, I saw a lot of my own son James in him. 
I got down on the floor to the side of him and started to help him build the tower which he'd been struggling to build alone. First he let me collect the blocks for him to use, 12, 13, 14 blocks high. After a while he let me hold the tower as we built it so it didn't fall, 21, 22, 23 blocks high. Then with a crafty sideways glance at me out of the corner of his eye I was given permission to add blocks to the tower myself, 33, 34, 35 blocks high. Despite our best efforts, the tower was really wobbly by now and suddenly crashed and it came. And I held my breath and I looked at Jack, but he just laughed, a wonderful belly laugh, a joy-filled laugh of pleasure. And with another sideways glance, I was invited to start to build again. One block, two blocks, three blocks. Well, we kept going, but eventually I had to move on to do other things. And as I left and as I looked back at Jack, he suddenly seemed so weak and small again as he built the tower on his own, six or seven blocks high, and then it fell over. No joy-filled belly laugh anymore, and my heart broke in pieces. I thought a lot about Jack, whether he'd gained anything at all from his time at Spring Harvest, whether he'd been impacted by any of the spiritual program at all during his sessions. Has he just been child-minded, just being given something to do, or something more than that reached him? Well, a few days after Spring Harvest, I got my answer. His family had been in touch to say what had happened on their car journey home. It seemed that Jack, who, remember, is almost entirely non-verbal, had been singing, yes, singing a line from the song Cornerstone by Hillsongs, which was a song that the worship band in his session had been playing during the week that he was there. Jack was singing over and over, weak made strong, weak made strong, weak made strong, and his eyes shone as he sang. The full lyrics of that chorus are based on 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. And they go like this. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak, made strong in the Saviour's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. When I heard what had happened, my heart broke for Jack again, but this time with joy. Joy that Jack's heart had been touched by this song, that through it, he had indeed encountered the Saviour's love. That through the storms of his young life, Christ alone is Lord of all. I can't sing that song anymore without remembering Jack, without thinking of him, without crying tears of joy that he's loved by his saviour. Jack taught me that there's always hope, hope for every child. He taught me that Jesus Christ can and does, through the power of the Holy Spirit, reach everyone, everyone with his love. So let's share that love a hundred times a day as we sow those seeds into our children in all the little things that we do with and for them. Let's remember that nothing is lost. Those seeds of love are eternal. And let's remember to give space for God and to believe in the unexpected. And for the question to start an interesting conversation this week is what makes God laugh and why? If we are his creation and we're in the image of God, then therefore humor and laughter and joy and silliness is all uh, came from him. And so therefore, what makes him laugh? Have a really good week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Music